0: The following podcast may contain themes and references not suitable for young people and may also contain themes and references that might be offensive to some listeners. Be advised that no ill will has been intended in recording this episode and it has been done so purely for entertainment purposes. If you have any concerns or complaints about what is discussed in the following episode, please contact us. Listener discretion is advised. (coughs) It's time to crock up, put on the sequence, and say good from Liverpool. We bring you Australia's original Eurovision Podcast, Eurovision, direct from the Eurovision capital of Australia, Sydney. Now here's your host. The It is Eurovision, your favourite Eurovision podcast, Australia's original Eurovision podcast, as we're here for a special episode, an episode in July. We don't usually talk to you in May, but for some reason we thought, well, screw it, let's talk to you in July, because we like you and you like us, so let's bring you a bonus, fun, special episode. And we're here today to catch up with the Australian president of OGAE, or the president of the Australian OGAE fan club, I should say, Lachlan Woods, who, of course, we had on a couple of months ago just before Eurovision, and we said to him at the time, we'll get you back on the show after Eurovision because you're going to Liverpool. So we want to find out what it's like in Liverpool and how that experience was. That's exactly what we've done today. We're going to speak to Lachie about his time, about what it was like performing, well, not performing, seeing the performances he performed secretly. He was in Voyager. He was uh, the the backup singer. Um, We found out what it was like from him on the ground, his thoughts on the win, uh, the, the vibe and everything along the lines. And also, we get him to give a way too early prediction for who will win Eurovision in 2024. At a time when we don't know any of the songs, any of the artists, we actually only know a couple of the countries that will be competing, we get a way too early prediction for his thoughts on Eurovision 2024. So sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with OGAE Australia President, Lockie Woods. A couple months back before... Eurovision in 2023. We had a guest on the show to talk about his love of Eurovision, the fact that he is a pretty big deal in the Eurovision fan community in Australia, and also the fact that he was going to Eurovision to witness it live. And it's been about six weeks since Eurovision, and he's back. And he's back to talk about his experiences, his thoughts on it, and everything else in between. He's the president of the Australian OGAE, the Eurovision official fan club in this very country. And. He's got a bit of a UK tan. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm just going to make it anyway. Uh, Lachlan Woods is back. Lockie, mate, thank you so much for joining us once again here on Eurovision. Thank you for having me on. Good to be back on. It's great to have you back on. I think this is the first time we can ever say we've had someone on the show who's fresh back from Eurovision, Uh, you know, which it's crazy to think that it's been like, Six weeks, nearly two months. It's gone by in Yeah. blink of an eye. Isn't it? Have you, have you recovered? You were telling me a bit off air about the fun you were having, but I mean, have you, have you caught up on sleep and have you died down the excitement of seeing your queen win Eurovision <laughs> in person?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think I've recovered from the jet lag. Um, I definitely feel like I've at the very least recovered from whatever weird bug was going around the Euro village, um, for the good chunk of the week. Um, I yeah, it was just an absolute whirlwind of a couple of weeks. So it's good to be sort of getting back into a regular sort of rhythm now. Um, So yeah, a lot of high buzz and now it's just trying to get back to some sort of normality.
0: It's always that level, isn't it? When you get so excited for something and then it kind of goes back and then before you know it, it's been like a certain amount of time and and you're wondering, Mm. wow, how quickly has that gone? But how do you how do you rate this experience from your first year originally? Well, like I mean, this was obviously a whole different kettle of fish. I can imagine in in the UK in Liverpool.
1: Mm. Um, I think the way that I described it to friends is that it felt like it felt like night and day. I think the the way that the entire city just exploded with excitement, and there was a real there was a real buzz about Eurovision. Um, and about what it meant for the city and what it meant to be hosting it there Um, it it just made it a lot more of a special event Um, not to say that Turin did nothing Um, there was you know there were events and there were things going on in the city Um, but it definitely felt a lot more alive in Liverpool compared to Turin last year so um, I think There were some moments where I'm like, it's better for me to say that Liverpool's my first actual experience of Eurovision, (laughs)
2: Um,
1: Speaking, especially when speaking to like older members and people who've been to Eurovision, you know, hundreds of times. um, They've said, a lot of them have also said this year's experience in Liverpool was one of the best, if not the best, experience that they've had of Eurovision and what it's meant to be. It
0: really seemed from a couch in Australia, just that atmosphere in the, in the arena as well. Like I don't think I'd ever seen a crowd react a certain way to results being read out, like, and everything on those lines and and just that love for Finland and just everything that kind of came with that. Like, what was that like on the ground being in that arena, particularly on finals day when the crowd was just getting rowdy, they were getting annoyed that Finland weren't winning.
1: (laughs) It was in, Oh, I don't know how to describe it. It was, it was, very insane in the arena it was very loud it was it was not rowdy like everyone was obviously very british and very polite (laughs) and things but it was it was loud and i think it also helped that because it's a small it's a small arena it fit about six six and a half thousand people and you could feel it being quite small you could hear everyone screaming you could hear um you could hear people being very angry when Finland weren't getting enough points from the juries and then seeing the results come through from the televote in the end. Um, it was, it was a very, uh, it was a very electric, um, events. Um, uh, and it, it was just a very insane environment just being in there. Um, I mean, as, of course the caveat for me is that I was probably, you know, six or so pints deep by the time I was like in the arena. So I was also just like, whoa, what is going on? <laughs> That's um, the way to was, be, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which it, it was just a lot of fun. It, yeah. I,
0: I can imagine too, just getting soaked up in that atmosphere, alcohol or not, just like the the absolute passion in that arena. Because as we talked about before you went, of course, Lockie, I mean it, it was a great year just in terms of some of the songs and you know, mm. really our top two were just amazing. Like, you know, like even if Laureen had an, a one, you still would have been satisfied that Finland wins and other way around. Yeah. And I think this will be a year that maybe in 10 years time, you might remember cha, cha, cha more than you remember tattoo, but like, it still kind of shows the, the depth, I think of the top two of this year, which mm. I think is, it's showed what a strong year and, and the fandom. Cause I mean, you know, I feel a bit disrespectful to Laureen that there was obviously passion for her winning as well, of course, and the history that she created. But I think kind of just the, the level of that passion that it seemed from Finland's fan base uh, kind of yeah. came across a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Um, I think like on the ground, a lot of people were talking about like being stuck on the karia train. It was just a lot of a lot of people getting very much swept up into the atmosphere of karia and the the campness of the performance on stage Um, but at the same time it was a solid performance it was a really engaging performance he got the crowd involved it was it's a banger of a song as well so I think he ticked all the boxes of what you would expect from a really strong performance and you know even with even with, you know, the strong vote, he did also still have a strong jury vote Mm. result as well. I think off the top of my head, he came like third or fourth in the final result in the juries as overall. So it still did well and it was responded to well by juries. Um, So yeah, I think overall, um, yes, it was a two horse race between Sweden and Finland, but overall it, yeah, it would, it was just great either way. If, regardless of whether Sweden or Finland won.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think Jared, as he said sort of on our wrap up show and I agree with him, he said that as great as, you know, Kariya was, it, it felt like Lorraine's performance felt like a winner's performance. Like you, you kind of saw her perform and you just kind of get that feeling, you get that vibe that she was just yeah. on point. And I don't know if like, did you feel that in the arena at that point as well?
1: Um, To an extent, I guess of course the main caveat is that um, Lorraine's performance like watching it back and watching the like YouTube and watching the like SBS and YouTube stream of the performances. Again, it looked amazing on TV Mm. in the arena. The box was very tiny. Like the sandwich press is small. So I was like, Oh, you know, you could see a semblance of what Loreen was doing. And obviously you could hear the performance and her performance was musically incredible. Um, but obviously i couldn't really see a whole lot of it but from what i could see it looked great um and i think yeah as as your yeah as your co-host jared said yeah i think it was a it was a really perfect performance and i mean i i may have been biased sweden was my favorite going in to the contest and as soon as i watched her win the melody festival and grand final i was like she's done it like literally this is if this doesn't win, it will be a shock. There obviously it will depend on how the other entries went. But yeah, I think it was Lorene's it was year to lose and she clearly knocked it out of the park and did really well across both the jury and the telephone.
0: It's an interesting point you make about that seeing it in person versus on TV because I saw a couple of fan videos from the arena of Karia's performance and just it looked epic. That looked like to one to be in the crowd with. And I can imagine say like Voyager, I can imagine that was one. If you're in the crowd, it's got like that real like intensity of having a live crowd around you and not to take away from Laureen's performance, but I can kind of maybe see the difference, which I guess it always, it's one of these events where viewing it in person is a much different experience to me sitting on a couch when some of his, of course, most of it, let's be honest, is made for TV, Whereas if you're watching it, you're not seeing those elements that you are when you're on a couch back home in Australia.
1: Yeah. And I didn't think about that until I went, like even when I went to Eurovision last year and going again this year, I didn't think much of that distinction between watching it, um, watching it at home versus watching it in the arena until I got to the arena and the songs that I didn't think much of last year and this year were the ones that actually looked quite good on TV Mm. Um, for this year's cohort. Like the, the example that I think of is um, San Marino Mm. in the, in the arena. It looked a bit stock standard. It just looked like the band was just stuck on stage. The lead singer just walked up and down the little runway and I'm like, Oh, okay. But then seeing the performance on TV, I was like, Oh, okay. That it looks cool. It looks interesting. Um, they did what they could with the song. But, um, the I'm still
0: dirty, break. Lucky. I only discovered recently that Eiffel 65 were in their, their tele vote off and they didn't, like, I, I'm a mad Eiffel 65 blue fan and the fact that they had a chance to represent San Marino in, in yeah.
1: Eurovision, I was dirty on that. Oh, I I mean, I only watch bits and pieces of the San Marino final. Yeah, everyone does, doesn't it go
0: on for about eight months? So. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think it's still going right now. I think it just yeah, started, didn't yeah. it, for next year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> may as well have. It's crazy, mm. though. Like, it's it's always that element of kind of that. But, I mean, you talked up your love of Laureen before you went to yeah. see her live. What was that experience like? And did you get, like, any close, any stories? Did you
1: just stalk her with her after parties? Did you kind <laughs> of, you know, hunt her down? Um, I did not do any stalking. Um, <laughs> yes, And... I, can... <laughs> I was like, uh, if any, like, you know, intelligence officers or police officers are listening, no, I did not. You stalk. tell me off air. Don't worry. Wood. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> off the record. <laughs> um, no. So, I mean, Lorraine, from speaking to people who were at, like, the turquoise carpet, I wasn't at it myself, but speaking to people who were at the turquoise carpet and just generally from different delegations, Lorraine was very difficult to get access to um because of the fact that she was such a popular artist um her time was scheduled to a tea, so it was very difficult to see her you didn't really have that ability to see her around but i stood in the grand final near the very back of the floor
2: mm-hmm.
1: at the basically right near the green room area and I was able to turn around and I had like a direct line of sight for Lorreen Oh,
2: there you <laughs> for,
1: for go. Swedish <laughs> City. And I was able to just like turn around and watch her win and watch her with the votes coming through. And I was just like, Oh, I, it was just so, I was so happy for her seeing the results come through and seeing the points and seeing, yeah. And seeing the outcome at the end of her just being an absolute shock. It was
0: fantastic um,
1: because yeah, Because there was still an element of, I don't, there was still some people saying, oh, Finland could do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it It, was was
0: just. You were that close though, Lockie. Like, that's the main thing, right? Like, you know, you breathe the same air as Laureen.
1: Exactly. I was like, I was in the presence of a queen. I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Exactly. That's all you need, which. Uh, you know, sometimes in those moments in life, you can just say you've done that sort of along that way. I have to ask about Voyager. Uh, I mean, obviously yeah. finishing ninth, great performance. I mean, there's just, that was just a song that just to me was even better live. And I obviously mm. loved it. And they're, they're obviously come back to Australia. They've had a sold out tour here. I, I, I missed out on tickets. I wanted to go see them the other a couple of weeks ago, but I sadly missed out on, on tickets to be able to go see them. So they're obviously doing great guns. got a new album just about to come out now off the back of this. But mm. I mean, your thoughts on, on, on Voyager and did you get to rub shoulders with any of the guys from Voyager at all uh, over there in any event?
1: Yeah. Um, so I guess, so firstly, like Voyager's performance was incredible. It was, um, it was really incredible seeing them in the semifinal. I hadn't really seen or, um, heard much from the rehearsals and how the rehearsals went. So I was going into the semi semifinal very blind as to what was going to show. And I, was absolutely blown away with the performance and the car on the stage. Yeah, that was that was just a touch of perfection and worked perfectly with the whole theme of a eighties eighties synth metal type song. It just worked really perfectly with the idea. Um, and then, of course, it was just confirmed that it was a really solid performance when the results came out that they had won the semi final as well. Um, I, I'm i not a huge stats person myself, but as far as I can tell, it's one of the only times, I think the, it's one of them like two times that Australia's won like the semifinal. The last time we did it was Dami.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. In yeah.
1: 2016. So it's like, it's a big deal that we won the semifinal yeah. as well. And I think that's something that regardless of the outcome in the grand final of, you know, doing well with the jury, not so well with the televote but still coming ninth overall we can still say but we won the second semi-final and that's something that i purely a televote
0: be... too when we traditionally yeah. suck as we saw in the final we don't do too yeah. well with the televote right
1: yeah i mean the i'll probably talk about the televote a bit later but like there's a big caveat when it comes to televote for this year generally that Sweden and Finland hoovered up so many points from the countries mm. that it was very difficult for most other countries to get points. It was so. I think it it was going to be hard for Australia to get televote points in the grand final, regardless of us making it through or not. Um, but yeah, we made we won the semi final. I'm happy with that. Um, I was able to meet Voyager on the ground, um, and like we were very lucky to have worked with. Um, SBS um, and other um, Eurovision fan community um, organizations in Australia, in particular Euro Club Perth, uh, to organize a meetup of fans with right. um, Voyager just before they were going to their rehearsals for the second semifinal. So nice. it was a lot of fun. Um, I nerdily talked about the fact that Danny and I are both lawyers by day. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, I asked him about this other project that he did on the sideline leading into Eurovision where he wrote a song about the abolition of the administrative appeals tribunal for the Australian administrative law conference. Wow.
0: Um, that must've been a mouthful to get through a chorus of that song.
1: Oh, <laughs> it, it, it was just, oh it's a very nerdy (laughs) song there are so many in jokes i'll send the link to you later it's just incredible wow (laughs) um but yeah and i was also able to and i think you said before like they came back and they've done their australian tour um i went to their final show in canberra it was actually like (laughs) it was like 10 minutes up the road from where i live so i was like why not it would be great um and i also was like you know what, stuff it. I booked VIP tickets as well, so I got to like meet up with them again. And they're like, "Oh, Auckland, yeah. what are you doing? Wow!" Here, and I'm like, there "You go, that's awesome." The, the, the Eurovision nerd at a metal concert.
0: Hey, you've got yeah. to you've got to break your cherry somewhere with that, right? And it it it, it, it works. It counts.
1: It it was a it was a, it was an experience. Yeah. Um,
0: safe to say. <laughs> Which
1: uh, do you find like
0: fans at a Voyager concert? Are they like majority metal fans with a few sprinkling of Eurovision fans? Because I mean, maybe a couple of years ago you're not going to have those Eurovision fans, and after mm. Australia decides last year, then mix it up with this year. And and they, I'm guessing they they perform promises, and of course they perform last year's song as well. Is that sort of a bit of a caveat for the Eurovision fans?
1: Yes, yeah, they they perform both Dreamer and um, yep. Promise, Um, but they it was definitely more so designed for their. Die Hard fans. They did like a lot of their songs from, I think they've been together for like 15 years.
0: Mm, They've been together for quite some time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they sort of went through their whole discography. The era tour.
0: The Voyager's era tour.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Screw Taylor Swift. (laughs) Voyager did it first. (laughs) It was, it was incredible. Um, And as someone that lit, I, and I mean, I said it to them point blank at the VIP tour. I'm like, "Look, I'm coming into this concert completely blind. I only know two songs of yours, so whatever happens tonight, we'll see how it goes." Um, <laughs> so it was great to just get a bit of a taste test of what their other music is like. Um, right. I'm not a metalhead, but definitely am now on the Voyager train. That's like their good. music is great. We yeah. like
0: that. We like that. That's that's great. Great to see. Just touching quickly on next year's Eurovision, we were talking a little bit about next year, sort of the situation right now, obviously, Sweden. We're going to have a mm. uh, bit of a four cities are in, are in the process of going for this, of course. Uh, but the interesting one you were telling me about Stockholm. Now, <laughs> they wanted to have this at their big football arena, the 50,000 seat Friends Arena. But uh, there's a bit of a conflict there. Lockie, where it's not going to be able to be held there. Tell us a little bit about this and why somebody who I think ruins music is continuing to ruin music by preventing Eurovision <laughs> from being at this damn arena.
1: I was going to say we may agree to disagree. Please, please point. agree to disagree. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, so the basically the Swedish, like Swedish delegation on the ground in Liverpool and just generally a lot of people were just, assuming that friends arena, which hosted this year's melody festival and grad final was going to host Eurovision next year. It was just the presumed favorite. Um, but yeah, um, a little known artist, I don't know. It's little known uh, T swizzle Um, Taylor Swift, um, has managed to book friends arena at the time that would be, expected for the bump in for Eurovision because I'm fairly sure her, the concert dates are end of April, early May.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it would not work feasibly to bump in and do the Taylor Swift concerts and bump out in time to set up for Eurovision. Um, so yeah, friends arena is out of the picture. So, and also a lot of people were then were thinking, Oh, would it then just go back to Globe? The Globin is currently closed for major renovations. It wow. opened, opened in 2000. It hasn't had any renovations or touch-ups since it was first opened. Um, so it's also out of the picture. So the idea from Stockholm Council is to build a temporary arena at their port. <laughs> as <laughs> you do? As you do, you know. It, it's it is an interesting proposal that they put forward um it kind of makes sense because if you've if you've been to Stockholm and if you sort of know a little bit about like sort of the layout of the city, the port is very central to the city um it's right it's near the main central train station of Stockholm. It's very easy to get to no matter where you are in the city and the suburbs and like surrounding cities as well so It kind of makes sense, but it also comes down to how are you going to build it to meet the standards that are expected by the EBU? You also need to build a media centre near there. You need the other bits of infrastructure. You can't just build a single arena or just like a single thing with four walls and say this is the arena for Eurovision. Yeah. Um, There's more to
0: it. And it's also a case of, Stockholm necessarily hasn't won the bid, right? There's still three other cities going for it. So, you know, it's exactly. kind of you've got to put that, that bid case in. Fascinating. Have you got your tickets already? Have you got that weekend booked for, for Sweden? Obviously, you don't know what city you're going to yet, Lockie, but are yeah. you, three in a row? Is that gonna happen next year?
1: Uh look, my at the moment my bank accounts say no. <laughs> um this year, like the going to the UK I knew it was gonna be expensive, but now coming back to Australia and being in the midst of a cost of living crisis, I'm looking at my finances and I'm like, I don't think I could push it to three years in a row at the moment. So but
0: 50 years a- since ABBA, you know, they're showing up. I don't care what they all say in those <laughs>
1: interviews. They
0: are showing
1: up next year. It will
0: happen. They will get given a billion dollars. They'll fucking perform <laughs> it in a bloody shop corner. If as long as ABBA comes up 50 years, they cannot not show up next year.
1: I would, it genuinely would not surprise me if they use those avatars oh. at the, at the voyage tour. It would not surprise me if they do that.
0: Oh like, yeah. What a, what a way it, to make money. Just put some fake ones of us and play some CDs and people will pay tickets to see it. You, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd love to do that here, Lockie. I'd love to put a fake me and like play a tape and people pay to listen to this show. But yeah, but um, I, there's got to be
1: something. The, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, there's there's all kinds. Of course, we'll see what happens. Maybe they will come uh, and they will show up. Um, but I think just because of how expensive it was this year, I, it's still a, I don't know if I'm going to go next year. And also Stockholm and Sweden in general is a very expensive country to travel to. Um, even when I was like pre-COVID, I was living in Ireland at the time and I was just like traveling around and I did like a single weekend in Sweden and I was like every single time I was tapping, I saw the conversion to Aussie dollars and I was like, Ouch. oh my, oh my God, <laughs> you know, $20 for a schooner equivalent. Oh. I'm like, oh, I, I can't do that for like a couple, of, I can't do that for like a week and a bit. So lots um, of lotto
0: but- tickets you're saying between now and next year
1: yes yeah um i live across the road from a news agency so i might just like, pop into the pop in there get a couple of whatever i don't even i've never done lotto i'm like i don't know what the phrases are but i'll just get some lotto tickets yeah. and hope for the best
0: i think i've done it <laughs> twice in my life i think i won some money on both times but i gave up because I'm, I'm not like a million say so, you know i'm still doing this podcast hockey but it's more of a case <laughs> of like you know like gambling's always one of those things that like if you're into it you're into it if you're not you're not and it's like yeah
1: Melbourne Cup, I, sure.
0: I, ticket every now and then, sure. But yeah, I, I like my money. I like money, and I like to spend it, not waste it.
1: Yeah, I got stuck in a conversation with some people. Like, I think they were British, and they were talking about the Eurovision betting world and like the different types of bets that you can put down. Um, for example, you know, you can put the obvious ones of like which one's going to win, which one's going to come dead last. Um, which countries are going to get z- – any country is going to get zero points. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of other weird bits of bets that just pop up here and there. And I was just sitting there like, I'm not a betting person, but, oh, my God, why? Why? Like, why?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I blame America. They they would do like Super Bowl. It came down to like you could – what color shoes are the referee going to wear? Like, you know, yeah. coin toss. Like, they they would have the weirdest things you could bet on. Uh, it was like it was, Vegas odds and it was just
1: yeah
0: yeah very very it strange i uh, I I mean let let's let's put this out into the universe right now like this is an impossible question because we don't know any songs that are gonna be next year but let's 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 call this right now 10 months from Eurovision 2024 who's winning <laughs> Eurovision in 20 20- come on you could get this right I could play <laughs> this in 10 months time I get you on this show in nine months time and go hey remember you said that you know Monaco are coming back so they're gonna win it so like you know like I mean what Give us, give us a, a, a way too early mm. prediction for Eurovision
1: 2024. <laughs> I, huh. Mm. Huh. I have a feeling we are going to see a very weird situation where just given the state of the economy around the world, Germany might take the crown again. Oh,
0: Rob this we year. Just- Shouldn't have been last. Blood and glitter. Come on. That was some bullshit.
1: It was It was very intense At the beginning It was very weird in the arena It was like intense at the beginning And then it sort of petered out Throughout the song Um, But yeah I I do feel a bit sorry for the guys They clearly put a lot of effort in And Maze
0: in the UK That was not a second last song I'm
1: sorry, come on That was that was rough in the arena. Um, like like I said before in the grand final, I was near the green room and I was where I was standing was basically I had the UK, Italy, Belgium right behind me. And when the televote result came through for the UK, um, May did her like, you know, hello, thank you, la la la. Cameras moved away and I felt so bad. She like burst into mm. tears. Yeah. And very quickly, the entire delegation they just left the arena, which Shit. made sense. Like wow. clearly, yeah, it's it's a lot to take on as a young, as a young performer. Um, this is like this is literally her first big performance she's ever done. There was so much expectation riding on her, yeah, and then to get that televote result um, was, yeah, it was very disappointing. But I think it also comes back to what I had said before about Sweden and Finland hoovered up so many points that it all the other countries just got the scraps, and it just happened in this instance that the UK got, I think it was like nine points from the Televote or something like that. It was. Yeah, it's
0: pretty low. Well, they went back to their traditional spot at the bottom, right? I mean, we all know that. Yeah. Sam Ryder was an anomaly and such an overrated song, but we won't get into that anymore. Uh, but Germany, yeah. you, you said Germany. You said Germany. I said Germany. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm
1: just going to go with Germany. Why not?
0: <laughs> Guten Tag. Danke. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll they'll take that on board, right? We'll, we'll, we'll like that. And uh, I mentioned, you know, the prospect of Monaco. We know Luxembourg are back next year. Yes.
1: I am so excited about Luxembourg being back yeah. um, as someone with Dutch heritage. I'm like, yeah, better Lux is back again.
0: Yes. I'm, um, I'm excited to see. Cause I, I just, I love it when you kind of have these small sort of micro nations. That's why I always on team San Marino. You know, I love it when you got like yeah. a small country. So bring on Luxembourg.
1: I'm excited as well. Cause they've also just announced in the last couple of days that they're going to be doing a, um, national final oh, fantastic. as well. Great. So, and they've set the date. I think it's going to be January the 30th or something like that. Okay. So they've already, I think they're the first country that has officially put forward a, a time for when their national final is going to be. So, yeah, well, very I, excited.
0: I, I would be very happy with Germany winning it. I, I I love Germany, so I'm always on board with that. But I'm calling it right now. Luxembourg, on their return to Eurovision, will win. That's what I'm yeah. saying.
1: There you go. Screw it. They'll do it. They'll do a Serbia 2007.
0: Yeah, on know. debut. Well, not yeah. debut, but like a return, I guess. Debut-ish, yeah. yeah. yeah debut-ish. <laughs> it's been a while. May as well be. Uh, Lockie, such a pleasure to have you back on the show. We'll get you on. We're, we're going to be doing Junior Eurovision this year. So um, we, we did it a few years ago and thought we'd never do it again, but uh, we've committed to doing Junior. So if you're around yes, and right. feel like trying to be nice about children, then maybe we'll get you back on and <laughs> not be too mean to them.
1: Um, Look, i i have many i have many thoughts about Junior Eurovision, um, but yeah, oh, it's a bit weird. Anyway, it's,
0: yeah, I do. I can't remember. Was that 2019? I think we did it, and I think I think did France win that year. I can't. remember. The song wasn't bad. Like it was actually like okay, this is a bit catchy. This is out of all the you know however many one. This is the one I would listen to again. Could I tell yeah. you how that song goes anymore? No, but at no. the time I was like, not bad. Now yeah. couldn't remember it to save my life. So mm, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have that. Uh, but again, Lockie pleasure. Thank you for joining us. And uh, as always, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy more Eurovision in the future sometime together as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, man. And a massive thanks to Lockie for his time. Great to learn a little bit more about that. We've had so many interviews this year. What's going on here? And it's the same person on twice each time with our Brooke and Lockie. So you come on Eurovision, Eurovision, we get you a couple of weeks back afterwards. So uh, there we go with that. But thanks, Lockie, for his time on the show today. Don't really have a whole lot more to report on what we've got coming up next. It's kind of that rare opportunity where we don't have a lot in the next couple of months. We'll be a bit stagnant for a while. But as you heard in our coverage a couple of months ago, we're probably going to do junior Eurovision again because why not? Let's let's keep the uh, excitement rolling for Junior Eurovision, you mentioned uh, you heard me mention there to Lockie about that so we can uh, do that later on in the year. And then we'll be back next year with our coverage of 2024 in Sweden. Where I'm saying, ABBA, ABBA will be there. It's happening. It's happening. It will happen. I can almost guarantee you if ABBA right now said to Sweden, hey, guys, 50th anniversary, we're back, all right, they would tell Taylor Swift to fuck off out of Friends Arena and you would get ABBA in there and you would get Eurovision. That's how you do it, Sweden. That's how you get Friends Arena. Bye-bye, Tay-Tay. Hello, ABBA. Simple. That's the one way. Like, it's it's a, it'd almost be an offence to the nation of Sweden if you chose Taylor Swift over ABBA. It's an offence to me. It's an offence to music, let's be honest. But I'm calling it. That's what I'm saying right now. Uh, do all the things that you do at the end of a podcast. Like, subscribe, stay up to date with everything to do with the show. And we appreciate your support. We'd love to hear what you think of it. All that jazz. Thanks again to Lockie. Thanks for tuning in. Let's close out with some more Loreen, shall we? Because why not? We like to hear this song at One Eurovision. Eurovision. I keep calling One Eurovision One Eurovision. It's so confusing the name of the show. Shut up, Ben. Here's Loreen. We'll speak to you next time here on Eurovision.